You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. Am I on, Amy? It's probably my fault. There we go. Thank you so much for your worship this morning. And um, we kick off a new series today. You see it on the screen behind me here. I want to be honest as I begin this message. Thank you, Tiffany. I've been second-guessing this series all week. Uh, It started the Monday after Easter because we had a great Easter, by the way. I do want to thank you for Easter. It was incredible. The singing and the energy and the full house and um, the little Debbie snack cakes. Whose ever idea that was? Blessings to you. But um, it was a great Easter. And at the end of my sermon on Easter, I introduced this series that is kicking off today. It's called The Afterlife, What Happens When You Die. And I described it as life's most important question but also life's most avoided question. And I said in introducing it, nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to think about this. Uh, We might think about it a little while at a funeral, or we might talk about it a little while at a funeral, but we want to get out of that conversation as quick as possible. We want to change the subject as fast as possible. Nobody wants to talk about this. As as proof of that, uh, after Easter services, somebody told me, their, their kid likes to hang with them and worship some Sundays. Rather than go to kids' ministry, they like to just uh, stay with mom. And um, she said, we were, you know, we were listening to the sermon, and she was kind of probably half listening to the sermon, her daughter was. And when I put this graphic up and said, next Sunday we're going to talk about what happens when you die, she turned to her mom and said, I'm going to children's ministry next Sunday. Like, I'm not staying in there next Sunday. And nobody can blame her because nobody wants to talk about this. So here's why I started second-guessing it. Why in the world, after the biggest Sunday of the year, would I kick off a series to follow that with something that nobody wants to talk about? Uh, That's not a great growth strategy, is it? So kudos to you for showing up today because even though we don't want to talk about it, I I think there's still a lot of questions. Uh, There's still a lot of curiosity and there's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of fear associated with it. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so hard to talk about because we got all these fears and anxieties with it. I read a ton of books. Like I took two Sundays off to prepare for this series and I had some guest speakers fill in and I had this whole stack of books that I read. And uh, one of them is this one right here called When Breath Becomes Air. Some of you may have read it. Uh, Dr. Paul Calenthe, I'm not sure I'm saying his name right, but he was a, a neurosurgeon. Well, he graduated med school at 36 years old and that same year he graduated med school, he received a diagnosis of lung cancer. He's a non-smoker. And so like right at the very, in some sense, the beginning of his life, he's graduating med school, he's engaged to be married, and he receives a terminal diagnosis of, uh, of lung cancer. And this book is his memoir of how he faced death. And uh, I'd heard about the book. It's a bestseller. You know, people have been telling me about it. You need to read it. It's really powerful. And it is a powerful book. But I'm, be honest, halfway through the book, I'm like... I, I don't. I can't read this. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can finish this book. It's just it was unsettling to read it. And then I don't know if it's because you know he's twelve years younger than me and he's writing from that perspective, or if it's the fact that I was reading all these other books about it. But there's something about uh, facing our own mortality that unsettles us, and and it should unsettle us. 
um, there's, there's, there's a reason it unsettles us because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Death is not supposed to be the norm. Uh, as we were singing that song, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. I was thinking the greatest evil, the greatest thing that the enemy meant for evil is death. And God has now taken what the enemy meant for evil and turned it for good. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, there's two, two verses that I'm using to drive this series. And I want to introduce those as I introduce the series. One of them is uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 that says, uh, It's appointed to man once to die and after that to face judgment. And it's just a verse that, that speaks to what we already know. That, that all of us will die. That's... None of us can escape that reality. That is, that is it, it, everybody who is born is destined to die. That it is, it is the common human experience. And as Christians, we believe after death, we face judgment. And so that's why it's so important to talk about the afterlife. I know we don't want to talk about it and we want to avoid it, but we have to talk about how we're going to spend eternity. We have to prepare for that inevitability because it is coming. We believe in eternity is coming. The other is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And uh, this is where Paul says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And as Paul saying, we don't want you to be, we want you to know about what happens when we die. We want you to know about the afterlife so that you will have hope. And he's talking specifically about hope for people who have passed on before us. You you will not grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve differently. We still grieve, but we grieve differently than the rest of mankind because we have hope. And then after these verses, in verses 14 and following, he talks about uh, the Christian version of the afterlife, Christian understanding of the afterlife, I should say. And he talks about that. And then he ends in verse 15 or 16, somewhere in there, by saying, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so the other purpose of this series is not just to inform us of what the afterlife is like and what life after death is. It's not just to inform, but it's to encourage. So I, the, the purpose of the series is not to scare us or make us dread coming on Sundays or make us think, you know, I'm going to find some other plans for the next four weeks. That, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to encourage us, to, to help us to live with more hope, to encourage us that the people that have passed on before us, our loved ones, our family and friends, to encourage us that they are experiencing something that's way better than this life could possibly be. And to encourage us as we face our own mortality. We read books like this or, or we you know, deal with diagnosis or bad news in our life and those things and we face our own mortality to encourage us. And I, I know that that still doesn't make it necessarily any easier to face our own mortality. And that's one of the things that I'm going to do in this message this morning. This message is called Our Discomfort with Death. And so one of the things we're going to do in this, seri- in this message is, is talk about our mortality. To talk about, uh, to talk about how we face our death. And I know that's not comfortable to do. But again, I think it's something we have to do. It's an unsettling truth. But it's a truth that we have to, to be able to deal with. Several years ago... I did a, uh, an illustration that, honestly, I think most people hated. Uh, and so I haven't repeated the illustration. I, I'm going to kind of explain it to you, and I'll, I'll just show it to you today. Um, some people loved it, and some people will still say, I still remember that. But they'll say it in terms of, I remember that, but I hated it. But I do remember it. Um, I had these paper, uh, 
measuring tapes. I don't know if any of you were here or remember this. I don't even remember how long ago it is that I did this, but I found one of these in my, in my desk drawer. I had these paper measuring tapes, and on the one side it's got, you know, inches, and the other side it had centimeters. So the centimeters, you know, they go one all the way to uh, 184. And so I asked everybody to, to, I handed these out to everybody that was in the room and said, just, just take these things, flip it over to the centimeter side all the way to 184, and I want you to start at one and just run your finger along the line until you get to your age. And mine right now is 48. So rip it off at your age and take that and drop it off to the side because that's past. Then... What I want you to do is keep running it along the line, and this is, this is the part people hated. Um, pick the age that you're going to die. And of course, nobody, nobody wants to do that, right? We don't even want to acknowledge that that number exists, and we don't want to make like, what do you, oh man, no. If I pick the, no, no. And I said, that's okay, be generous. Go all the way to 100 if you want to. Like, I mean, if you feel in chipper, go to 105. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter what age you pick. I mean, go ahead and pick just whatever, whatever number you want to pick. And so, you're like, people are like, well, 100, I don't know. Okay, 95. <clears throat> Be generous. And take this one and, and drop it off to this side. And now hold this one up and take a look. That's what you got left. People hated this illustration. You understand why they hated it, Right? You understand why they hate it because some of these looked a lot different. For some of us, the, it was a lot shorter. And then for others, it was a, it was a lot shorter. And, and we hated this illustration because it is such a sobering and stark reminder of the fact that life is a vapor, that we don't have a whole lot of time left on this physical earth. The brother of Jesus uh, wrote about this and he said, now listen, those of you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business and we'll make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now that's a very, very sobering scripture. And there are moments in our lives when that scripture becomes reality. There are times in our lives that we read that and it's just, it doesn't unsettle us that much. We just read it and say, yeah, okay, that's true. I believe that true intellectually. There are other times in our lives that we not only believe that's true intellectually, but we feel it emotionally. We feel it on a deep, deep personal level. Um, Paul Calente uh, talks about this in this book, which I did finish. On page 131, he describes what happened right after. He gets this diagnosis and he meets with his physician and he says, I begin to realize that coming in such close contact with my own mortality had changed both nothing and everything. Before my cancer was diagnosed, I knew that someday I would die, but I didn't know when. And after the diagnosis, I knew that someday I would die, but I didn't know when. But now I knew it acutely. The problem wasn't really a scientific one. The fact of death is unsettling, yet there is no other way to live. And he's not necessarily writing from a Christian perspective, but if you want to throw the Christian perspective in here and put Hebrews 9.27 in there and put James 2 in here, I mean, that, that's what I think James is trying to say. Like that, The fact of death, that James passage is, is unsettling, but we have to live that way because what Scripture is trying to do is to prepare us for the life that comes after life. So the question that I had this week in my studies was, 
if we know this, if like we know that it is appointed a man wants to die and after that to face judgment, we know that, we believe that. Uh, even if we're not Christians, we believe that and we know that. We know that all people die. I mean, that's, we've all experienced that in our lives and we know that that's coming for us. So if we know that to be true and we know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow and we know that in reality all of us have a terminal diagnosis, we, we just don't know it. But I mean, there's, all of it, we don't have a lot of time left. None of us have a lot of time left. So we know that. We know that in our hearts and we know that in our minds and we know that from Scripture then why do we not prepare for it? Like why, do, why, do we, why do we deny it and, and not talk about it and, and not deal with it and, and just kind of push it to the side? Like what is it about us that wants to say, I don't even want to think about it. I know it's coming. Like in any other area of our life, if we know something's coming, we prepare for it. it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we prepare for it. But when it comes to the one thing that all human beings have in common, which is, which is death, we don't prepare for it. We don't, we don't want to talk about it. We, we have a very, very uncomfortable talking about it. And um, I was thinking why, and I want to share a few things uh, from Keller here. I don't have any idea where I'm at right now. Um, Tim Keller does a great job summarizing that, the answers to that question, our discomfort with death. What is it? Why are we so uncomfortable um, with death and he gives four reasons and I've read about him in some other books but he does a great job of summarizing them and if you write a book that small you gotta you you need to summarize things so um, he I want to just share a few of the ones that that he gives that explain why we're uncomfortable with this and then I'll, I'll close by coming back to to scripture and what it says about it but the first one he says is the blessing of modern medicine and this one, Alan Watson, the former CEO of uh, Murray Regional Hospital, about three or four years ago told me I needed to read a book called Being Mortal. And it is a book about how the modern healthcare industry has created an illusion that we can defeat death. And that's one of the reasons we don't want to talk about it. And, he's, and, and this is a great thing. I mean, this is the CEO of the hospital saying, I mean, this is a great thing. Medicine has evolved so much that we... That we can defeat diseases that we could not defeat 20 years ago. Certainly that we could not defeat 100 years ago. And he said it, it's, it's a very good thing.
Like as a, as a whole, our culture is much more secular. And because of that, our focus has shifted to the afterlife, to the present life. You can almost hear it in our worship songs and our hymns if you think about it. But uh, like that, that's where our, our, sh- our focus has shifted, whereas in, in more older cultures where the shift was religious, you were talking about preparing for and, and hoping for and can't wait to get to the next life. You know, and this is one of the ways that cultures alleviated suffering was this is not it. This is not the end. But in a secular society, if there is no God, then there is no um, afterlife. And if there, if there is no afterlife, then there is no existence after death. So the only way that I can possibly find happiness is to find it uh, right here. I've got this long to find happiness. And if I'm not experiencing now, I've only got this amount of time. And so we focus on, I mean, that's like the, the YOLO. You know, you only live once. You know, seize the moment and live in the moment. Because the only chance you've got for happiness is however many years you've got left. That's, all, that's the only chance you've got for happiness. And that, that makes us, I mean, death becomes a very, very final thing. If there's no existence after death, then death is so, so final. And... We don't want to talk about that, and we don't want to, because it's scary. It's scary to think about the finality of death. And so we, we shift to focusing on things that will bring us joy and pleasure and happiness in this world rather than thinking about joy and pleasure and happiness in the next world. Uh, I just read some other stuff about that. I don't want to go too deep into that. About, it's in Atomic Habits, and the guy's saying, uh, we don't, we don't really like delayed gratification. We like instant gratification. And that we struggle with delayed gratification. So we struggle with the concept of uh, there's something better coming. We want the something better now. Uh, here's the other one that Keller talks about. And this one is the sense of insignificance. And again, it's tied to, uh, to secularism or secular culture. Let me see if I can find this one and read this to you. Um, basically, like, you know, if, if death equals non-existence, then it strips away the significance of even life itself. So in a, in a secular culture, you lose meaning and purpose. You lose significance in life. And this is from Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, author Ernest Becker, who's a secular thinker, called The Denial of Death. This is his book. He says that human beings cannot accept that all we are, our conscious selves, our loves, our profound aspirations for beauty, goodness, truth, are going to cease to exist forever. In a literal blink of an eye. If death is truly the end, if we all die and eventually the whole human civilization dies, then nothing we will do will make any final difference. If we come from nothing and go to nothing, how can we avoid even now a sense of nothingness? And he's writing of this as, you know, like this, this, is, the, this is the big problem with secular humanism or this is the big problem with atheism is if, if we come from nothing and we go to nothing, then what gives any possible meaning to our present lives? And that's one of the reasons that we want to put off talking about it. We want to not address it. We don't want, we, we're, we're scared of it because we're scared of this sense of insignificance. The only chance that we have for significance is in whatever time's left right there. And then his last one is not what Keller meant at all. It's just the way I took it. His last one that he mentioned was a fear of judgment. He writes about this from a secular perspective as well, but that's not where my mind went because uh, I didn't grow up in that way. I grew up, like a lot of you, I grew up in church, and I grew up with my fair share of uh, hellfire and damnation sermons. Um, I'm sure many of you have as well. Uh, I grew up with a healthy fear of going to hell. 
Okay, and that, and, and now I can see how, for Christians, how medicine makes us insulated to the eye. You know, we don't face death as much, or we don't see it, or it's institutionalized. It's something that happens over here, not over here, and so we can compartmentalize it. I can see that. I can see how the culture influences Christians to where we focus on this world happiness and this world significance. I can see that. Um, but that fear of judgment, that's... I think one of the big reasons that Christians are scared of talking about death or uncomfortable with death is not a fear of, did I say, yeah, it's not a fear of death, it's a fear of judgment. Like we, we're not scared to die, we're scared of the judgment that, that is told after our death because we're not comfortable with our salvation because we don't, we just, we feel like we haven't done enough to, to get into heaven or we've done way too much wrong um, to get us into heaven, and so there's this this discomfort of I'm just not ready, and, and I, I, there's there's no way I'll ever be ready because how could how could I mean, based on what I've done, if you know my past and you know my history, and there's just no way that I would be judged worthy of heaven. Plus, how can I even know that? Like, I, I can't be confident in my salvation. I can't know 100% that I'm saved. And even then, I can't know, like, what's going to happen after I die. I can't, it, like, it, death may be the final end. What if it's not? You know, how can I know these things? And that's why last Sunday was so important. Because the resurrection is the signal that death has been defeated. So you think about it this way. The resurrection of Jesus is the shot across the bow that death has been defeated. We still experience death. Everybody knows that. But it's the shot across the bow that death will not always be with us forever. And so when Jesus said to Martha after her brother's passing, I am the resurrection and the life, he told her, whoever believes in me will not die. And whoever dies while believing in me will live again. When John wrote his gospel and he said, For God so loved the world, he gave his one only begotten son, he said, Whoever believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting life. When Paul wrote his gospel and he said, The wages of sin is death, we know that that's the consequences of sin is we got to die. He says, But the victory of God is eternal life. And over and over and over, the scriptures promise that death will be defeated. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, this is talking about us, we're the children who have flesh and blood, humanity, he is Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. And what he just described is our human condition. I just, I just spent you know, 10 minutes explaining why we're scared of death and why we're not prepared and why we're uncomfortable with it because we live in the slavery of being in fear of death. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus has broken that. That by his death he has created it to where death will be defeated and we will no longer be held in slavery by our fear of death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is their victory. Where, oh, death is their sting. I mean, we've read, how many of us have read that or heard that read at funerals? We've, every one of us have heard that read at funerals. And I know sometimes in the funeral, in that moment, we're listening to that verse going, that verse ain't true because this stings. 
And this doesn't feel like victory. But for Christians, we don't grieve like the rest of mankind. We grieve with hope because we believe that death is not the final answer. We believe there's more to life than just this life. We believe that there's something better in the beyond. Now, um, it's about time for me to quit. And Tuesday of this last week, we had our staff meeting, and uh, we, were, we broke down Easter. You know, we were like, let's, you know, what went well, what didn't go well? Is there anything we would change or anything we would do differently? And um, Scott said, you know, may, we might have missed an opportunity on Easter. And he said, I, you know, I was thinking after it was over, I was like, we should have done like a call to salvation on Easter because, you know, you got all these people here and you're talking about the resurrection and, and that's what Christianity is all about. And like, maybe we should have like offered, done something to kind of encourage people that haven't responded to Christ to respond to Christ. And I was like, that's a really good point. Yeah, we may have missed that opportunity, but let's do it this Sunday. And so that's how I want to end this message. Uh, I want to end this message with an invitation to respond to Christ. Because here's what I hope you got out of the last 20, 30 minutes that I've been talking. Um, we are all going to die. That is a reality that we cannot escape. We are, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. It's just reality. But all who die in Christ will live again. That is a reality promised in Scripture. You may not believe that yet, and that's okay. You may be watching online, you may not believe that yet, and that's okay. Give me four more weeks here to show you what it says in Scripture. But uh, we believe that all who die in Christ will live again. And we believe that's as firm a reality as the fact that we're all going to die. So the question is simply this. Do you want to live again? Do you want to see loved ones who have passed on before into eternity, who died in Jesus that you want to see again? Do you want to live with hope that we will be reunited one day? Not only with our loved ones, but with our Savior. Do you want to not live in the fear of death, not live in slavery to the fear of death? Do you want to be free from worry and anxiety? If so, then perhaps it's time to surrender your life to Jesus by repenting and being baptized. And that's the simple invitation that I want to offer you today. If you've never done that, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus because with that when you surrender your life to Jesus with that becomes the promise of eternal life that's because of what Jesus has done Jesus died and was buried and rose again and if we surrender if we die to self and die to our pride and die to our selfishness and we are buried in the waters of baptisms and rise again we have the opportunity to be resurrected as well so uh, you can, there's a card on the seat back in front of you, and you can pull out that card and just write your name or email, phone number on it, and put, I want to be baptized, and one of our ministers will reach out to you this week. Um, it's in the app. If you're watching online, you can comment. Uh, just direct messages, actually. You can direct messages to church, and somebody's, Ebony's back there watching it right now. So you can send a message right now and say, hey, I want to be baptized. When can we make that happen? Or you can just find one of our ministers afterwards, and, and we'd be happy to, uh, to talk to you more about that. Let me pray for us. I want to pray about that, and then I'll tell you where we're going next Sunday. Okay, let me pray. Father, I, I am thankful for uh, the teaching of your word, and, and I know that this Goodness, in an audience uh, of this size, people are all across the board um, as far as 
how difficult a message this is to hear because some of us are, are facing some battles right now that um, this just hits really close to home. And it's probably been difficult to sit and, and listen. Uh, and I know others that have, of us have been more insulated from, from those things. And uh, we kind of think we're invincible right now. And, and maybe on our age or whatever, think that we're, you know, we're invincible right now. I just pray that you would uh, convict the hearts of, of both. Uh, comfort those that are, are, are struggling right now. Those that have recently lost loved ones or are facing their own health battles. Comfort them. Encourage them. Um, surround them with your love. And those of us that are, that are uh, just kind of living and acting like we're going to live forever, uh, convict us that that's not true. That, and, and, and convict us of the reality that we need to prepare for the life that comes after life. And we do thank you for that. We thank you that uh, you promise us an eternity that is way better than anything we can imagine or experience uh, on this world. And so we are thankful for that. We're thankful for the death of your son, Jesus, that makes it possible. We're thankful for his resurrection that makes that possible. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.